as I travel across the country, and I, I do so often, I, know, I notice something, and this is, this is repetition to our own people, but I notice something in the churches of America that is alarming to me and also inconsistent, I think. I sit on a platform and I watch the people as they come in in churches and denominational meetings across this country. I just spoke yesterday, Friday night and Saturday, to the uh, Buffalo and Niagara Sunday School Convention. Uh, Eighty-six churches, I think, were represented. And, and uh, I speak tomorrow night in Tampa, Florida. And I, uh, I, I sit on the platform, and here's what I see. I see a fine-looking young man, I'm sorry, middle-aged man, walk in. He, he has his Bible under his arm. His hair is neatly cut, and he has a neat, shave, a closely shaven face. And he has on a, a suit, and he looks like a fine Christian gentleman. And right behind him, there is a teenage-looking something who comes in. It, he has, I hesitate to say he has on blue jeans. They're trying to stay on. And uh, he wears blue jeans and usually has some kind of a, of a t-shirt, maybe a smile uh, 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 insignia or symbol on his uh, chest, and, uh, and long, shaggy hair. And he comes in, and he's usually sort of doing like this as he comes in. And, uh, and the father knows how to walk, but, but the fella, he looks like a disjointed piece of spaghetti is what it looks like. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he comes walking in. And don't turn me off now. If you're going to turn me down, okay, but don't turn me off. I'd like to have the shot at you all the way through the message tonight. Um, it costs the same thing. It's a dollar for the sermon, whether you hear it all or part of it. And <clears throat> so, but, but I notice a generation gap. Then after, the, after that, I see a lovely lady coming in. Usually she, she's usually in her late 30s or early 40s. And uh, her dress is modestly down to her knee. And she has a Bible in her arm and her purse. And right after she comes in, in walks, not exactly sure what it is. It looks a little bit like the thing that was following the man. Uh, it's a little hard to tell exactly which is which, but she comes in, and, uh, and my first impression is, oh, my soul, she forgot her skirt. That's my first impression. And a couple of, uh, you, know, you know, one reason, if I didn't believe that many skirts were wrong, did you know that many of you ladies ought to wear a long skirt to cover your knee just as a part of the Beautify America program? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, in walks this long, gangly kind of a gal, and uh, her, um, uh, if she bends over, you, you must look the other way. You doesn't continue looking if she bends over. And, uh, and when she sits down, it's almost embarrassing to even have her in the building. Now, here's the strange thing about it. Her mother is a modest-looking, lovely Christian lady. Her father is a, is a, is a fine-looking Christian gentleman. Now, I wonder why they couldn't transfer Christianity to their children. I wonder why that they could not, the father couldn't teach the son how to dress. And I wonder why the mother couldn't teach the daughter how to dress. Now, all across America... We have, we face the miniskirt craze. By the way, it's not only in America, it's everywhere. The shortest miniskirts that I've seen were in Israel. I don't know how they could be any shorter than here. Maybe they have longer legs in Israel. I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, all over the world, we have the miniskirt craze that is gripping our country. Now, I'm going to show you tonight 
Uh, what, the, what the Bible says about the miniskirt, no, the Bible doesn't say anything. The Bible doesn't have the word miniskirt in it. The Bible doesn't say, use the word miniskirt. But the Bible does teach that it's a, a sin for a woman to show her thigh in public. Now, the thigh begins right above the knee, which means that anything above the knee is wrong for a woman to show in public, and I'm going to show you what the Bible says about it after a while. But there are others who've spoken about miniskirts, others besides the, 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 the writers of the Bible. For example, the law enforcers across our country and around the world have spoken about miniskirts. In the city of Toronto, Canada, for example, <clears throat> this question was asked all the policemen in the city of Toronto, and I was there a few days ago. Who is more likely to be raped? A lady wearing a skirt to her knees or a female wearing a miniskirt? This question was advanced to every officer in the city of Toronto, Canada. Ninety-one, the boys back here in the back saying to that girl, oh, you, you three folks, sit up. Put your legs, sit up. And young lady, you listen to me now. And boys, you listen to what I have to say too. You talked enough for one service. Uh, God knows our girls need what I'm going to preach tonight, and you fellows are not going to keep a girl from hearing it, or the girls behind you either. And uh, so, by the way, you folks are visiting. Don't get alarmed. That's the way America used to operate years ago. There was a day when adults ran to young people. Uh, we have a, you folks are visiting. We have the strangest church you've ever seen. We have a church where the parents tell the kids what to do. Strangest thing you've ever seen in your life. Outdated, primitive, puritanic. And we, have a, we have schools, and do you know that the principal holds the students hostage instead of the students holding the principal hostage in our school? If we have a riot, it's usually won by the teacher in front of the class. We have the strangest thing. In our church, the young people are supposed to sit up and listen, and the pastor tells them to. Strangest thing. I'm glad you came tonight because you need to see it like it was in America all through these years and like our, our country was, was founded. And, uh, but anyway, the... Uh, of the Toronto law enforcement officers, 91% of them said that a girl in a miniskirt is more likely to be raped than a girl who's dressed with a skirt down to the top of the knee. Since 1964, for example, by the way, that was the year that the miniskirt was introduced. Since 1964, <coughs> rapes in the United States have increased by 68%. And England, who got the miniskirt before we did, and I think is a little more radical about it, uh, the rape, uh, uh, statutory rape has increased in England by the rate of 90% since 1964. The Ontario Safety League says that miniskirts are a traffic hazard. Now, you're going to be, you're going to be laughing at this. They say that girls walking down the streets in miniskirts cause drivers to turn their eyes toward the girls and actually cause accidents, like uh, uh, one fellow said one time. Uh, the little boy said, Daddy, said, I was out working in the yard, and the little boy said, Daddy, if you're not looking at that pretty lady next door, uh, why is it you're watering the side of the house? And uh, so uh, the Ontario Safety League says that actually uh, miniskirts are traffic hazards. Sergeant G-O-U-G-H of Toronto's Morality Squad said, and I quote, abbreviated costumes are no doubt a factor in offenses against women. Officers in 50 states in America, all 50 of our states, were asked this question. Is there a correlation between crimes against women, rape, and so forth, and uh, the miniskirt? Now get this. In 50 states, there was a resounding yes that came from the law officers in every state in this union when asked if crimes against women 
were affiliated or associated with the miniskirt. Did you know in 61 cities across this country, the 61 largest cities in the country, uh, policemen were asked this question. Do miniskirts uh, incite rape? And is the increase in crimes against women caused by the miniskirt? In the 61 largest cities in America, 92% of all the police officers said yes, miniskirts cause uh, rape. Now, you say, well, you fundamentalist preachers always talking against miniskirts. Why don't you preach, uh, talk about the policemen? They're talking against miniskirts, too. 92% of the policemen in Chicago, in New York City, in Los Angeles, in Dallas, in Atlanta, in Denver, 92% of them in 61 largest cities in America, and I think that might include Hammond, I'm not sure, in the top 61, but 92% said yes, only 8% said it had no effect on the, on the crimes against women. 83% of the policemen in these 61 cities said the most dangerous fashion in history is the short-skirted girl when she's seated. Don't laugh at me while I'm preaching on this, fellas. When I'm preaching about indecency in America, when I'm preaching about trying to get you get girls to act like ladies and so forth, you ought to be crying instead of laughing. Now, if I say something funny, you laugh at it. When I talk about a girl sit, sitting down and showing parts in her body she shouldn't show, when I talk about uh, things like that causing rape across America and wrecking the lives of our boys and girls, don't you think that's smart and funny? It's not. It's sad and tragic. I say again, 83% of the policemen in the 61 largest cities in America said the most dangerous fashion in history is a short-skirted girl seated. J. Edgar Hoover said, the rape rise in this country is caused by the near nudity of the modern girls. The near nudity of the modern girls. Now that's what the law enforcers have had to say. Now before we check what the Bible has to say, let's see what other nations are saying. Did you know in many countries around the world, the miniskirt has been outlawed? For example, in Ethiopia, rioting for two weeks was caused by the miniskirt clad in Ethiopia. Fifty were injured in the rioting, 100 vehicles destroyed, and the schools were closed for two weeks because of rioting about the miniskirt. A Portuguese ship recently was captured by rebel pirates. It was called the Santa Maria ship, captured by rebel pilot, pirates. And, um, um, the women on the ship were dressed immodestly, dressed in miniskirts. They wore bikinis and, uh, in general, were dressed as the average young lady in America would dress. But now these rebel pirates took over the ship. And these young ladies got together and they said to each other, we had better cover our thighs because we'll be afraid, we'll be assaulted or attacked by these men. And for their own personal safety, these young ladies they, they refused to wear their miniskirts mini in public. They would not dress in bathing suits at all. Why? Because they realized that they were likely to be assaulted and attacked or raped by these rebel pirates if they wore skirts that revealed their thighs and wore garments that revealed their, their bodies and uh, made them partially nude. Now, you see what I'm saying? Now, now get, get the reverse of it now. If if they put on clothes to cover their bodies to keep them from being assaulted, then if they take off that covering, I wonder if maybe they're asking for someone. You think that may be it? Um, did you know, for example, that um, in many of the countries, 
in the missionary in East Pakistan said, and I quote, the more primitive the nation, the shorter the skirt. The more primitive the nation, the shorter the skirt. And in at least 17 countries around the world, somebody has said, many skirts have been outlawed as being against the best interests of the nation. After a while, we're going to let the Bible speak. But let's let others speak for, for now. Law enforcers have spoken. Other nations have spoken. Hey, I don't know what let's do. Let's let the originator of many skirts speak. What do you say? Let's listen to what the originator says. Who originated? Uh... Uh, a lady named, and I use the word lady very loosely tonight in many of these cases, a lady named Mary Quant, Q-U-A-N-T. And here's what she said. I quote her. Now, <laughs> women and girls <laughs> can announce that they are ready for sex in the afternoon. That's what the originator said about the miniskirt. Now, you may not be against the miniskirt. You may call me old-fashioned old fogey, but at least I've got the word of the lady who originated the miniskirt who said that the reason she originated it was so girls could be ready for sex in the afternoon. She was asked this question, what kind of character does today wo today's woman want to be? And Mary Quant, who, uh, who gave us the miniskirt, said, I quote, a sexual creature. She displays her sex instead of hiding it. I, I like men. I'm sexy. I enjoy life. She said, that's the miniskirt wearer. That's what the, the, the founder of it said. That uh, uh, today's girl, girl wants to be. In November 13, 1967, she said, and I quote, many clothes are symbolic of girls who want to seduce a man. That's what the author said. I mean, that's what the founder said. Mary Quant said, miniskirt. And many clothes are for girls who want to seduce a man. Again, I quote Mary Quant, who said, and I, all the rules are gone. There is no such thing as what is in or out. I've always hated rules. Now all rules are gone. All hemlines are available. Now, ladies, do you want to swallow that kind of philosophy? Do you want a lady that wants you to have sex in the afternoon, illicit sex in the afternoon? Do you want her telling you what to wear? Do you want something founded by a lady who says no rules at all? Do you want something founded by a lady who has invented a miniskirt and raised the hemline in order that all restraint may be lifted, in order that she can say, I'm sexy, I will reveal my body. Is that what you want? I don't think many of you do. I think the honest truth is you're afraid to be different. You're afraid to walk down the street with a, a decent length skirt on because somebody's going to criticize you. You're afraid to be called a Christian. You're afraid to look like a decent American girl. You're afraid to because somebody's going to criticize you and call you different and laugh at you. And you want to be ashamed of yourself, not willing to be proud to be just to wear and wear clothes and dress like somebody who's pure and decent and honest. I wouldn't want to be associated with a, with a female would make such ridiculous statements as, today's woman wants to be a sexual creature. She displays her sex instead of having it. Now, you may not think that the miniskirt is to display sex, but the lady who founded it does. You may not think that the miniskirt is to show parts of your body to reveal, the, reveal your body to the lust of wicked men for the hands of wicked men to touch. You may not think that's true, but the lady who, who found the miniskirt admitted that's the reason she had the miniskirt. Now, you don't have to agree with it, but I'll tell you what, you don't agree with the lady that started it. Let's listen to what the designers have to say. We're going to get in the Bible in a few minutes. We've seen what the law enforcement officers have said. 
We've seen what other nations have said. We've seen what the originator has said. Now, how about the designers? I got a newspaper, magazine, several of them, been getting over a few weeks. And I've been, I've been reading words that are used by the designers to describe many skirts. And here's a few of them. Daring. Seductive. I'm talking about newspaper advertisements now. Seductive. Naughty. Slightly wicked. Makes you, makes them think of sex. Have a body and know it. Now these are a few of the terms and words that are used by the designers to advertise. What are why they don't advertise it like this? Be a nice, clean lady and wear a miniskirt. No, they, miniskirts were not made just for fashion. They were made to be seductive. They were made to be naughty. They were made to glamorize sex. Now you say, I don't agree with what you're saying. You don't have to. You don't agree with Mary Quant, the gal who started all this mess. You don't agree with the law enforcement officers in America. And I'll tell you what, too. You ladies may not agree with it, but you men do. <laughs> ladies, if you don't agree with what I'm saying, reach over and ask your husband if it's true. Huh? Ask him. Ask your husband if looking at a female in a miniskirt makes him think about soul winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ladies up and folks, you ladies do not know what your bodies do to the eyes and minds of men. I, I tell this story often when I preach along this line, but it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened. I was soul winning down in Garland, Texas one night, knocked on the door, and uh, a great big old police sar sergeant came to the door. He was six foot four, and he, he looked like he could play defensive end on the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, he was a great big guy, still had his uniform on. Had a little wife there, she must have been about five foot one or two, weighed about 110 pounds, and, and uh, I said, I'm, I'm Jack Hiles, pastor at Miller Road Baptist Church. And I often say when you say that, they're duck or pucker, one or the other, because you're going to be hit or kissed. But anyway, I, uh, I'm Jack Hyle, pastor of Miller Road Baptist Church. And she said, well, we were in your services last Sunday night, and you preached against dancing. Oh, that's another subject. But uh, uh, to me, out of the hug, sitting down, if I've got a hug. Who wants to hug walking all over the floor? But uh, anyway, um, uh, the possum trot and the dishwag twist and the bull weevil wiggle, you do those if you want to, but I haven't got time. But anyway... Uh, so uh, she said, if we don't agree, we don't, we don't agree. She said, you said that men that have, that dance and, and get close to the bodies of ladies have evil thoughts. And she said, we just don't agree. Her husband's name was George. I said, George, what do you think about it? I said, uh, you get up real close to a lady and she's got a, a Chanel number five on or perspiration number five, whatever it is. And uh, she got on Chanel number five, and, and George, uh, you're, you're, you're right close to her, and your uh, uh, music is playing. Now, I never danced. Don't think I ever have. I never have. But uh, I said, uh, now, George, what do you think about it? And she said, George thinks that he doesn't have evil thoughts. And I said, do you, George? George said, well, um, well, he said, I just don't think dancing is wrong. I said, do you have evil thoughts, George? 
Well, she said, he doesn't have evil thoughts. I said, do you, George? He said, well, <coughs> I've got to go. I said, before you go, do you, George? And then she got word, and she said, do you, George? And I said, George knows he does. And there's not a red-blooded man in this house. But what if he would be honest? He would say that miniskirts excite the passions of men to do things that aren't right. I don't like your old hellfire so preaching. I don't like the way you dress either. You know it's wrong. You know it incites passion. Now you ladies may not, but let me ask you a question. Why don't you just ask the men and find out? Hey, you folks that are mad at me right now, ask your husband. Come on. Go ahead. I'll wait for you. Just ask him. Ask him if he sees a pretty woman with a skirt about 12 or 13 inches above her knee. Ask him if he, uh, if he wants to sing Amazing Grace and have a prayer meeting. Now, you don't like this kind of preaching, but you know it's the truth. The quarter man I voted for one time, in your heart you know I'm right. Yeah, you huff and puff all you want to, and you get as mad as you want to, but I dare you, I dare you to ask your old man right now. Look at him and ask him. You say, not my Oswald. Well, he's had to look at you so long it may be hard for him to get stirred, but... There's one thing about preaching like this, everybody might get mad at me, but everybody agrees with me. I mean, you may walk out and say, I won't ever go back there as long as I live again. I know it, but you'll know when you walk out that I told you the truth while you were here, and you'll know it so. Well, you say in my church, we just don't preach against that. Don't confess the sins of your church here. We've got too much to do. The honest, simple truth is, any red-blooded American male in this house tonight who's a normal man, any man in this house knows what happens in the minds of men when they see females dress with a miniskirt. We've seen what the, heard what the law enforcers say what other nations say, what the originators said, what the designers say. Let's listen to a prison physician who said, by the way, he's the pr uh, prison physician of the T-O-M-B-S prison in New York City, has been for 12 years and has, has, has worked with 170,000 prisoners. His name is Dr. Lutstenstein. Um, he said, and I quote, the principal cause of passion crimes is the present style of dress. After working with 170,000 prisoners, many of them in for passion crimes, he said, the principal cause of passion crimes is the present style of dress. Well, let's listen to a professor or two. Professor Ian McGilvery of the Aberdeen University of Britain said, and I quote, the miniskirt is the reason that one-third of British girls are pregnant at their own weddings. Dr. George Crane said, <coughs> imitating the, the miniskirt is imitating the method of the commercial prostitute. Girls, let me say this. 
this is a nation and a generation of a short, a short cut to success. Do you know why the hippie wears his long hair? He wants to get notoriety that usually comes by accomplishment. He can get attention by wearing his long hair and being different. That should be earned by diligence and work through the years. Did you know, young ladies, and listen carefully to this, and, and older ladies too, did you know that for you to appeal to a man through the overexposure of your body is a shortcut to being appealing? Do you know what appeals, uh, what appeals to a man is that sweet mystery about a woman? And when you just all of a sudden uncover everything and say, and, and try to appeal to a man strictly through his physical senses, you're taking a shortcut to appealing to a man that is overlooking the way that you are. The Bible says a meek and a quiet spirit, that mystery about a personality, that's the thing that ought to appeal to a man. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think you ought to be pretty. I think you ought to be attractive. Uh, but I'm saying if you try to appeal to a man through a tight sweater revealing your bust or a tight uh, blue jeans or trousers revealing your hips or revealing your thighs and so forth, you're doing nothing more than following the philosophy of America which says get successful and get notoriety but do it the shortcut. Pastor, when I was a young preacher, uh, back in the days when I was a young preacher, uh, we were having the big citywide youth revival. Remember uh, Charles Welburn and Jackie Robinson and um, uh, some other fellows, uh, Bruce McKeever, and they had great crowds out at Cole Park um, and uh, came to hear those 18, 19-year-old boys. And I said to myself, I wouldn't be in their shoes for anything in all the world. You know why? I want to earn my notoriety. I want to earn whatever name I have. I don't want to do it because I've got a white sport coat and blue suede shoes and have a few sad stories. I want to get out and work and do it. And so I took a little church up in the country with 19 members and pastored the church. And I, I wanted to be sure when I, if I ever got to the top, I wanted to be sure I touched every step on the way up. Amen. This matter of a shortcut to appeal. Anybody can take off her clothes and be appealing. But it takes a real lady to be appealing through a mysterious, sweet Christian spirit that's intriguing to the personality of a man as well as to the body of a man. Did you know, girls, did you know that, 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 that ladies supplement and complement men more than just physically? Did you know that the male personality yearns? I'm not talking about a particular male. The male personality needs female. The female personality. Uh, the male... Uh, the, the male, more than physically, needs the female. And if you could learn with that sweet Christian spirit and that sweet Christian mystery and that dedication to appeal to a man, I'll tell you what. These fellows that, that see you run around here showing half your body, they want you for a night, but they don't want you for a lifetime. Time and time again, young men have come to this church and they have said, this is the kind of young girl we've been looking for. The, the, the sweet kind, the kind that's modest, and the kind that's obedient. This is the kind we've been looking for. Oh, yeah, we want to run around with the other crowd. 
by the way, in case you're saying that, you dirty-handed fellow, you keep your paws off our girls. If you're one of those that thinks you can go around and live like the devil and run around with wicked women and go to the house of prostitution and, uh, and then you want to get married, you come to First Baptist Church Hamlet and fuck one of our roses. Keep your hands off of them. We'll knock the fire out of you. I'm simply saying if you want a sweet Christian girl, you be a sweet Christian boy. If you want a clean Christian girl, you be a clean Christian boy. If you want a girl that's proper, you be a boy that's proper. Let's listen to what the Bible. By the way, let me say this. A church usher in Ohio recently quit ushering in the church because he said he could not take the offering and look at the way the girls were dressed and worship God. A man in Ohio who sang in the choir quit the choir because he couldn't look at the ladies sitting on the front rows without having dirty thoughts. Well, you say, I'm glad my boy's not dirty-minded. Your boy's cut off the same old lump of clay that our boy's cut off of. Your boy's no different than anybody else, unless he's sick. In that case, he may be going steady with some other guy. Every <laughs> once in a while, I get an anonymous letter from some sex, homosexual, who, who, who makes some dirty threat to me and says, why don't you, if you quit, don't quit laying off homosexuals, Buster, you just may as well get used to it or find you some little church, pastor, but one of your kind. As long as my nation is, as long as the dirty playboy hit house philosophy is running rampant, I, for one, am going to cry out and stand out against that wicked kind of philosophy. Destroying our nation, destroying our country, ruining our decency, wrecking our young people. Go to the average airport and see what you have to look at. Now the Bible. Oh, let me say one other thing, too. I'll get to the Bible after a while. About 9.30. One, one of my pastor friends, he said, and you choir, listen to this very carefully now. One of my pastor friends said, we had to roll by choir. Now, I have no scruples about that. If you want to robe your choir, it's all right. It reminds me a little bit of Rome, but I, it's okay if you want to robe your choir. I'm not, again, I'm not going to fight you about it. But he said, I said, why did you have to robe it? And he said, well, if you robe the choir, he said, oh, because the ladies' skirts are getting so short and the blouses are getting so low, we had to robe the choir. I told him, and I'll tell the choir here, whenever our ladies in the choir, the skirts get short and the blouses get low, we won't buy robes. We'll just kick the folks out of the choir. You say, what if you can't do it? Then I'll just leave. We're not going to have a strip tease in the choir. Maybe in the audience, but not in the choir. You see, people say, Brother House, the way you preach, man, <laughs> you're not going to have anybody to hear you. Well, you check my crowd tonight and check the miniskirted preacher's crowd. Most of them aren't even having church. Now the Bible. You didn't think I was going to get to it, did you? Okay, let's jump into the Bible. Look at Romans chapter 12. and listen, All of us use our Bibles. Now, by the way, listen. Look at me for a minute. Here's what will happen tonight. <laughs> the folks that get mad won't look at their Bible. You know why? They won't have one with them. You know why? Because the shorter the skirt, the less the Bibles you carry. 
I dare you, if you get mad right now and make your face at me, I'm going to have you stand up and we're going to measure your skirts and see how many Bibles the long-skirted folks have and how many Bibles the short-skirted folks have. There is a correlation. Sin does not want to come to light. <laughs> okay, I just thought I'd add that a little bit. You know, I, I start off preaching like this. Every time I preach like this, I think I'm, I'm going to be nice and kind and not make anybody mad. But I find out you're mad before I start, so I'll go ahead and get mean anyhow. If you're going to get mad, I might as well get the credit for it, you know. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the word conformed in verse 2 is the word patterned. It comes from a word that has to do with a mannequin, maybe. A uh, lady has a mannequin, and she, she has a dress made to fit the mannequin. The mannequin is the, is the shape of her own body. And uh, <coughs> for the purchase case, he just has a barrel and uh, has a suit, <coughs> fits the barrel, and it always fits perfectly. But uh, uh, it says, be not patterned after this world. Be not conformed after this world. Don't use the worldly fashions. As Charles Spurgeon used to say, the fashions of London are started in hell and promoted by Paris. Let's go down to some, more, some plainer scriptures. Turn to Exodus, please, chapter 23 and verse 2. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 23 and verse 2. Now, I'm going to show you here that the philosophy behind why you wear miniskirts is wrong. Exodus 23, verse 2. Now look at me before I read it. Look at me before I read it. You know why the average young lady wears miniskirts? Because everybody else does. How many of you parents, now let me be honest with you, I've heard this. How many of you parents have heard one of your daughters say, well, I'll be too different, or I won't be like everybody else, or they'll laugh at me. How many of you parents have heard one of your daughters say that? Raise your hand, we have five. Come on, we have five. Come on, we have five. All right. Now, you know why they say that? They say it because the reason that decent girls wear miniskirts. I'm not saying that every girl wears a miniskirt is a harlot. I'm saying she's dressed like one, but I'm not saying she's a harlot. But the reason they wear them is because everybody else does. Now, look at Exodus 23, verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Read that out loud with me, just that line. Ready? Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Now then, the Lord is saying we ought to base what we do on one criterion. Is it right or is it wrong? Is that right? Is it right? Let me ask you a question. If 51% of all the people are doing something and that something is wrong, should you do it or not? No. Well, if 90% are doing something wrong, should you do it or not? Wake up. Should you do it or not? No. What if 99% are doing it? Should you do it if it's wrong? What if everybody does it but you? Should you do it if it's wrong? No. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. So when you say, I'll dress like this because everybody else does, I'll be criticized if I don't, I'll be laughed at if I don't, you are revealing a weakness of character in your own breast. Uh, look, if you would please, and here's an unusual verse. Hang on to your seats. Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah chapter 47. When you turn to it, I want to say a few words before I read it, explain it to you. 
Isaiah chapter 47. <coughs> That's on page 755 in your Sophia Bible. Isaiah chapter 47. Now then, once you find it, look at me and let me explain it to you. The Lord is pronouncing his judgment upon Babylon. Now listen carefully. He is calling Babylon a wicked woman. Don't you recall in Revelation chapter 17 when we have Babylon the great, the mother of what? Harlot. She's called the great whore. The great whore. The mother of harlots. Now then, he is describing how she's going to get that way. He calls her Revelation 17, mother of harlots, the great whore. And now here in Isaiah 47, look at this. Look at this, how the Lord describes a whore or a harlot. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. You see, she was virgin. She's coming down to sit in the dust. She's going to become a whore. Now watch it. <laughs> sit on the ground. There is no throne. She's come off her throne now. O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Now, is this lady going to, is she coming down or up? Down. Is she tender? Is she delicate? No. She's becoming a what? A harlot or a whore. Now watch it. Let's see what she's like, how it happens. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Uh-oh. There it is. Look at it again. Take the millstones, grind meal, uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. Hold it! Her lady showed her fire. What's she showing? Her shame. Now there it is. It's in the Bible. Now you, you may not agree with it, but you're going to have to look at the Bible and find out what the Bible says. And there it is. Uncover the fire. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. Did you see what Isaiah said? Isaiah said, I'm not going to meet you as a man. Why? Because the way to become a whore is to uncover your leg up to the thigh. And the Bible says that that is a shame. The Bible says that's coming down off. Listen, every lady who shows her thigh in public is coming down off her throne and sitting on the ground. That's what the Bible says. Look at it again. I don't want you to pass over that. I want you to, like, like J.B. Cumbers, one of my deacons, used to say when I was preaching in Texas, he'd say, mm, that's good preaching. Pull over and park there for a while. Look at it again. Look at verse 1 again. I want to, want you to, come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. Here she comes. She's coming down to dust. There is no, there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Come down off your throne. You're no longer tender. You're going to become a whore, a harlot, as Revelation 17 says. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Now, by the way, didn't say a thing about the breast. Didn't say a thing about topless, though that, of course, is wicked because it's, uh, 
it's, it's more nakedness. But all this mentions is uncovering the leg up to include the thigh. That's all it mentions. I know what some of you fellows are going to do. You're going to say, I won't come back and hear him anymore. I know it. That's why I'm giving it to you while you're here. Uh, you see, you see, um, you'll, you'll get mad at me because you want to continue your wicked ways. You want to go ahead down Lustful Boulevard. You want to go ahead and feast your eyes on the legs and thighs of women and have your dirty thoughts and live your wicked life. But you're going to face God over it someday as sure as I'm on your side. And somewhere along the trail, some man of God ought to get up and shake you right hard and say, prepare me, God. God pity this generation who lives like beasts and animals of the field. There are the scriptures. Look, if you would please, to Jude chapter 23, the next to last book in the Bible, Jude chapter 23. <laughs> now, I'm not going to expose the scriptures to what it means theologically, but I want you just to see what it says. I'm sorry, Jude, verse 23. There's only one chapter in Jude. For the fifth, we're looking and looking and looking for Jude, chapter 23. The sad thing about it, he was looking over close to Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. You know, one of the finest things about preaching like this, you sleep so well at night. You know that? You know, you don't go home and say, well, I, I trim a message because of old rich deacon. Or I trim a message because Dr. Big Boy came to the service. No, here, we don't trim it for anybody. Not for anybody. We just preach it like it is, not trying to be unkind. We're trying to get some young girls to be decent. We're trying to rear some decent young girls to marry these young men, some decent young men to marry these girls. Jude 23. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Our Lord Jesus was clothed. Are we not to be an example follow Jesus? Our Lord Jesus was clothed in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Look at it. It's just a page over from Jude chapter 23. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the path of the golden girdle. This nude crowd, this crowd that says, express yourself, this sensitivity training crowd, these people that say, take off your clothes and just be yourself. If I'd done that, I'd have killed 18 deacons by now. So don't restrain. Anything you want to do, do it. <laughs> Good night. Boy, oh boy, I've been to penitentiary by now. You would have too. The honest truth is this thing that says take off restraint is anti-God, anti-Bible. The Bible is restrained. The Bible is set discipline. The Bible is their boundaries, their rules to follow. And so our Lord Jesus wore clothing. Uh, the angels wore clothing. Turn to Mark chapter 16. I think that's it. <laughs> Mark chapter 16 and verse I'm sorry, that is, yes it is, yes it is. Mark chapter 16, verse 5, page 1070 in your, I'm sorry, 1068 in your Schofield Bible. Mark 16, verse 5. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man, and this young man was an angel, sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. 
if if a person who if it's not wrong to wear clothing, why did our Lord wear clothing? Why is it said about our God that he's clothed? Why is it said about angels that they're clothed? Did you know the truth of the matter is the only person in all the Bible that went completely nude, as far as we know, is found in Mark chapter 5, and he was a wild man that lived in the graveyard? Of course, we know, we know that, um, that, uh, Cain, that Ham looked on the nakedness of his father, Abraham, and a curse was placed upon Ham's son Canaan because of it, and I think even upon others to follow. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <coughs> Page 8 in your Scorpio Bible. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Now Satan came to cast reflection upon the word of God and to bring doubt in Eve's mind about the veracity of God's word. And the Bible said he was more subtle. Did you know that many, many Bible teachers say that the word subtle that is used here is connected with the word nakedness? Now, the serpent was more naked or more concerned about nakedness and the word subtle in the minds of many Bible teachers. But there's one other passage. Turn over to the passage we read a while ago in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I always preach like this at the risk of some of our professors in our college finding out that I'm not a Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar. But I, I want you to see in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 9, read it a while ago. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Now it's not saying it's sinful, it's not saying it's sinful to wear uh, a watch or a ring or something. It is saying that should not be the prevailing uh, image or adornment of a lady. But it says modest apparel. Now, what modest apparel? Let, let, me, let me show you a, a word in the Bible which talks about immodest apparel. Now, with your, with your hands in 1 Timothy chapter 2, turn back to Proverbs for chapter 7. Proverbs is right after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 7. I want you to notice something about a woman's clothing here in Proverbs chapter 7. In verse 6, page 676, look at it very carefully now, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner and he went his, with a way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. Now, notice there, there is something that a person can wear, a woman can wear, that is the attire of a harlot. Now, with this attire of a harlot in Proverbs chapter 7, and the fact that there is a modest apparel in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9, you at least agree to that, that there is something that's the attire of a harlot? Amen. Raise your hand if you'll agree to that. I will. All right. And is there some kind of clothing that is modest clothing? Would you agree to that? Raise your hand, please. All right, now, we may disagree as to what it is, but let's sort of decide what it is. 
is it uh, is it grandma's bathrobe is that the attire of a harlot hmm? uh, you sailors and I say this seriously now you sailors the fellows up at Great Lakes that have pinup girls do the girls um, do the girls have on um, long dresses that fit their bodies loosely or are they pretty well stripped uh-huh. I, I, I won't ask you anybody who's ever been to a, a house of prostitution, but I wonder uh, how they dress in a house of prostitution. I wonder maybe if they, if they cover their entire body and not reveal their body, or do you think maybe they wear low-cut dresses? I'll tell you what you do. Drive down Calumet, uh, State Street in Calumet City sometime and watch the females come out of those places over there. Watch how they're dressed. Huh? Wonder then if the attire of a harlot would be revealing the body or covering the body, huh? Well, okay, now then I'll show you what it means. Where it says here in 1 Timothy 2.9, modest apparel, you folks that know Greek know that the word is, for the apparel here, is the word stola. Stola. <clears throat> now there are two words. One is stola and one is stole. S-T-O-L-A or S-T-O-L long A. Stola, short A, stole, long A. And I won't go into a Greek lesson, don't know that's right. But, but the truth is, the difference in a stola and a stole was only one little slip. That's all. Do you know how a lady or a woman in the Bible days told, showed that she was ready for business? Do you know the difference in a woman who dressed as a harlot and a woman who dressed as a modest lady? Girls? Hey, do you know the difference? Huh? The difference was they all wore the same garment, but the harlot slit her garment right here on the side, right up here to her thigh. And the way you told a harlot was that she showed her thigh while she walked. And that's what the word modest apparel means here in the Greek. When it says, let the woman be adorned with modest apparel, what it really says is, let the woman not show her thigh in public. And if they had taken the Greek and translated it completely proper, it would have said, let the woman be adorned with a dress that doesn't show her thigh. Now, may I, uh, may I say, that would, in, that, would, that would only be outside a fence. That, that wouldn't, you wouldn't include a beach there, would you? I mean, the Bible says, let the woman adorn herself in modest apparel unless she's on a beach. Or uh, let the woman adorn herself in modest apparel unless she's going swimming. I think I told you, didn't I? I was driving with a preacher <laughs> on the West Coast. He had a Bible conference, and he and I were talking about he is um, they have, uh, invariably somebody said, you mean you're against mixed bathing? Of course I'm not against mixed bathing. I'm against mixed nudity. I don't care if you bathe in or not. The truth is, if a lot of you girls would go out here and dress these bikinis would get in, it'd be, a, it'd be a lot better. I mean, just bathe. But you don't go to bathe. You go to show. You see? You go to show. Anyway, this preacher has a Bible conference. He's a very fine man. And, uh, but he has, <laughs> and I were talking about it. I said, don't you have mixed bathing? And, and they wear 
show their thighs in public? He said, yes. We were driving down the highway to his conference ground, and uh, <laughs> there was a hippie out beside the road that was, that was naked from his waist up. I mean, he just, just didn't have a shirt or an undershirt on. And he was hitchhiking. But he was hitchhiking, laying down. He was actually lying down like this and had his head on his roll here. And the cars were coming this way, and the car would come by, he'd go. I mean, boy, that's what you call conserving manpower. Uh, of course, driving the car, you couldn't tell it was a man, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, um, the, he, and he, was, he, he was, had nothing off his waist up. And the pastor driving the car said, doesn't he look vulgar? There with nothing on from his waist up? I said, yeah, but if you, if you take his pants off and then just wear his shorts and take him to your conference grounds and put him in, inside a fence where there's a hole ever some water, he'd be quite appropriate, wouldn't he? Huh? Isn't it strange what a pool of water will do to a guy's convictions? You don't like this, do you? Huh? You don't like it, do you? Well, you may not like it, but it's Bible. You may not like it, but it's ruining America. You may not like it, but every man here will agree with it if he's honest. Hey, uh, you say, well, I won't do it. What kind of pin-ups do you have, fella? Hmm? Do you, do you take Playboy magazine or Grandma's Weekly? Hmm? Hey, what you do? I got some good pictures of my mama. Take them out and put them on the wall. Pin up, girl. No, you know and I know. You know and I know. Did you say, well, you're not going to get me to agree. You already agree. You won't admit it. But you know, you, you already agree. Not a man in this house doesn't agree with everything I preach tonight. Well, no, not me. You're a liar and you know it. You know you do. Now, the man is, I said man. You may be some little sissy, effeminate pervert, but I'm talking about a man. Not a man in this house. And by the way, ladies, if your husband gets home and says, I don't agree with him, look at him and say, you big liar. Now, what are you going to do with the Bible? What are you going to do with the Bible? You say, why do you have to be so crude when you preach like this for to keep you awake? What are you going to do with the Bible? Hey, girls, what are you going to do with the Bible? By the way, let me say this. I should have said it a while ago. It's not the miniskirt that's sinful. It's the showing of the fine public. Now, listen to me. Dr. Billings, we in our schools and all of you teachers in our schools, Dr. Evans and others, we had better be very careful lest we become inconsistent ourselves in making girls wear a certain length skirt but not making them sit right when they sit down. You girls ought to learn to pull your dress down and when you're seated, if your dress doesn't come to the top of your knee, then wear one longer. I see girls in this room right here who wear skirts that are long enough. 
but you pull them up. And you, and you wicked girls that go to school and they take the measure of the skirt and then you have a, a skirt and you roll the skirt up to make it look more like a wicked woman. You ought to kneel at this altar and get right with God tonight. What are you going to do with the Bible? Babylon, you're going to be a whore and a harlot. And here's how you're going to do it. You're going to come down off your throne. You're going to get down in the dust. And you're going to show your leg up to the thigh. And that's a shame. And that's the shame to which you're going to come. Adorn yourself in modest apparel. Apparel that doesn't show the thigh. You said, Brother Hiles, aren't you afraid when you preach like this that you're going to lose your crowd? I'm going to preach a sermon one of these days, Brother Daniel, on this subject. What I wouldn't do to be big. If this sermon made our fall program go down to 500 in Sunday school, I'd still preach it. What I wouldn't do, I wouldn't trim my message to get big. I wouldn't cut five minutes off our services to get big. I would not yield one conviction to get big. Not one. Of course, I want great crowds. I want to reach more people. But by the way, one reason I want more people is so I can preach to them what I'm preaching to you tonight. Ladies, you set the pace. Would you say, Brother Howes, I've got a girl at home wears mini skirts, and what can I do with her? She won't quit. Kill her. I'll tell you one thing you can do. Get a ping pong paddle and take off the rubber ball off the end. And just swat that part that shows. And she'll want to cover up the scar. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad I don't have a teenager. Oh, you're glad about that. If you got, listen, if you've got a little girl that can walk, watch out. Watch out. There are wicked men in this world that are, are looking for the bodies of little three-year-old girls. It all boils down to one thing. Are you willing to be different for what you know is the right thing to do? That's the whole story. So I know I know this this message will be all over this area by tomorrow at noon. Telephones will ring tonight till midnight. And I'm going to lie awake tonight and worry about it about 30 seconds. I know. I know what's going to happen. I know what always happens. But the honest, simple truth is you just don't want people to think you're a good Christian. You don't want to be different. You want to dress like the world and sing like the world and, and wear your hair like the world and the jargon of the world and have the magazines of the world and, and the songs of the world and the rock beat of the world. You just don't really want people to know that you're a good Christian. Same thing about it. <laughs> we have, <clears throat> we have People trying to destroy our country, they're glad to show how what, what they belong to. They wear their hair long, wear their peace symbols. Uh, peace symbols, they're not peace symbols, they're communist symbols. They call them peace symbols, but they're communist symbols. They wear their communist symbols, they're not ashamed. Not ashamed at all. Why should God's people be ashamed? Young ladies, 
the honest, simple truth is, when you walk down a street in the city of Hammond, with your skirt down to your knee, a modest, sweet young lady, you all, when folks look at you and, and maybe laugh a bit or smirk a bit, you ought to bow your head and say, thank you, dear God, that that kind of person thinks I'm peculiar. A man who hires ladies, a man of this church who, who hires numbers of ladies in his office, recently hired one of our finest girls who grew up from infancy here at this church. This young lady went to work in his office. And those men who would not agree with the thing I said tonight, probably, I'm sorry, they wouldn't admit it. The boss men said to this man from our church, Where did you get her? Where did you get her? And he said, she's from First Baptist. He said, do you have any more like that? There's not a male in this house tonight who's unmarried, not a one who's unmarried, who wouldn't rather have someday sharing your house with you as your wife, not a one of you. But what wouldn't rather, no matter how wicked you are, how vile you are, not a one of you. What wouldn't rather have a sweet, chaste, nice, modest, Christian young girl as your wife than to have some thigh-showing female that appeals to you through the lust of the flesh? Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, mothers? Dads? You say, well, I went home, my 14-year-old daughter's daughter said she wouldn't do it. What could I do? Pull down the curtain! Pull up! Lamp! I'll throw her! Walk her in the room! Will you say she'll scream and call the police? You call them first! Will you say, well, the house she won't mind? You're like that fellow that called in and said to the general, I've captured a prisoner. The general said, bring him back in. He said, he won't come. Well, he said, then you come on back in. He said, he won't let me. 